Good, good. Thanks for uh, having me on. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, this is great. Super pumped to chat. Yeah, first podcast. Here we go. That's awesome. Congrats on the Lifetime Grand Prix. Yeah, thanks, man. You pumped about that? Yeah, yeah, super pumped. I didn't, I was, I mean, the more time that went on, I was like, oh, there's a lot of other guys, like, it's pretty competitive, like, they brought it down from 35 to 30 guys, so I was like, the more time that went on, I was like, oh, it might not happen, but came together. It's like the most competitive thing right now, it seems like, that's, uh, yeah, that's wild. We were, I was pumped when you posted that, I was like, no way. That's badass. It's like, oh well, you know, I'm I'm bad at intros. Let's do an intro. I want to talk about the European road racing, and then I think segment uh, segue into the gravel because I'm very curious about just the transition, what your plans are for next year, what you're doing this off season, um, and kind of take it from there if that works for you. Yeah, totally. Cool. Who are you? Who's Finn? Let's see. Uh... Colorado, born and raised. Um, I've honestly been into bike racing my whole life. My dad was a professional mountain biker, actually. Okay. Um, and he worked for USAC for a while, so kind of always been around racing. Um, so you're in Colorado Springs. Yeah. Well, I grew up there mostly. Now I'm in Boulder. Okay. Um, I'm actually living with Riley Sheehan. I think okay. He Hell yeah! What up? Another yeah, he's guess, and you know somebody else intertwined with Evoke Bike named Landry Bobo. Yep, yep. <laughs> he was like, No way, I know Finn. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, springs, yeah, I've been around bike racing my whole life. Uh, but probably started taking it seriously when I was about like 17 or so. Okay. And how old are you now? 23? 23. Yep. Yep. Um, and I started off like mountain bike racing and then got in the road my last year junior mm. and raced for Lux cycling, which unfortunately just, uh, went under and mm. is no longer a team. Um, yeah, and I've been road racing probably the last five years or so. And then just this year got into gravel. And you were with Riley on, is it pronounced Soja Sun? Yep, Soja Sun, yep. And so you guys were over there. Were you guys the only two Americans on that team? Yep, yep. How did you guys end up over there? Well, he was on Soja Sun in 2020. So he was over there for probably like a month or two and then had to come home because of COVID. Okay. And, uh so he was going to be on the team the next year in 2021 and yeah, we're good friends. So he put me in touch with that guy and uh, that's how it worked out. That is a great tip right there for anyone who's younger and listening. I'm trying, I'm trying to blank. Who was I just talking to? That was like, Oh, uh, Cormac McGill. Who's like, you yeah. might be better off down in the cafeteria chatting with everybody and making some connections and like worrying about the foam rolling at a big stage race or something. I thought that was, mega like i think it's really yeah i think it's really under underplayed of what a handshake and hey what's up i'm so-and-so maybe i'll see it like it's such a small community anyways but like just make go make friends um yeah 
So you guys were, so you were over there. Um, when you say you started taking cycling seriously, what does that mean to you? Like you actually thought about intervals, you just started riding more. You were like, I want to be good at this. What does that, what do you, what do you mean by that? Uh, I'd say racing. I like, I used to ride my bike a lot, mm -hmm. uh, just kind of more for fun, but yeah, I got serious about racing and I was like, want to be a pro cyclist kind of thing and started training had a coach and uh yeah just still, yeah, still, still have a coach uh well i was actually coached by nate wilson okay you had him on also recently i think yeah right? yeah and uh I, he coached me for about three years and uh that was great i mean He's, I think he's one of the best coaches probably in the world right now. Um, and I was able to learn a bunch from him. Um, but this spring we just parted ways because I mean, he's super busy with EF stuff and mm -hmm. he's got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So we parted ways. Uh, and then now my buddy Sean Quinn kind of coaches me, which he's okay. kind of like my friend, but he just it helps to just have like some workouts in training peaks and obviously but just someone that's keeping an eye on your training mm -hmm. instead of being fully self-coached kind of thing mm -hmm. so do you think it's more the workouts for you or is it that conversation which is like the second part more like being you know having just eyes on what you're doing that aren't your own eyes someone that's not doing the actual workouts or do you actually find the workouts in the day-to-day -day as beneficial as the like bigger picture i i feel like it'd be more the day-to-day -day actually just because huh. okay. having intervals in there that someone else writes in kind of yeah i don't know it's, it helps motivate me a bit okay uh, to get it done and then I mean, it's all on me to, I mean, keep it up over a long period of time. So mm -hmm. that's more the self-motivation, but yeah, that's, I mean, we've just been doing that probably the last four months or so. Okay. And um, he's, he's on EF, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sean, let's do a podcast, bro. Let's talk about Finn. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, that's awesome. So then so he's been with you the past four months and tell tell me about the European racing. What was that like? What was not only the races, but maybe like the lifestyle over there? Cause everyone always has their own personal take on it. It's hard. I mean, it's pretty hard. Uh, yeah, it can be lonely. Um, what, what's hard, the racing or just living there just or living living mostly um the language barrier, like what going on that because everybody says that but i don't always get like specifics i'm curious yeah um i mean i speak some french you know but these teams that i was on kind of expected me to speak french with the team and i mean i can communicate like one-on-one -on -one, but in a group setting it can be difficult to like really integrate with the team mm -hmm. there's that and 
yeah, I mean, living in a foreign country, I was lucky to have Riley my first year over there. Um, that helped a ton, actually, having another American and friend with me. But yeah, it can be lonely, but. How do yeah. you deal with like, you know, what is that? I guess the foreign country and be, I, I had a friend, Andrew, that went over and raced in Europe in 2014 for like a continental French team. And the other guy that lived in Canada that went with him ended up kind of bailing very early in the season. It was like, this isn't for me and went home. And so Andrew was in this super tiny town where no one spoke English actually. And so he's like, it was really hard for me to learn French. And then I got discouraged. And so I really didn't learn French. And that's what he said. He was on the team and he's like, I just lacked the connection with people. And he was there for two years, but we met up in Paris when I was living in Belgium and I, I, Andrew's a strong dude, like personally and rider. And he just seemed like a little beat down from the, uh, from the experience and that was really only the first hand like i knew the guy really well and so to hear your story it's kind of like oh man that really makes sense of what andrew was talking about um and then you know it's a team sport but he felt like an outsider and he's just like i was on we had the same kit but like i didn't really get my chances and it was you know i don't know it was it was a tough go and i kind of hated to hear that because it's so hard to make it that like when you're on that journey, trying to climb the ladder and you're kind of just getting beat down from the people that you think would be hoping to like lift you up as well. It just, uh, it was a tough story to hear, but, um, what do you think? Yeah. How, how are you still in the sport then? Cause that is, I mean, a lot of people pack their bags and go home. So you stay there for two, you, you were on a different team the next year though. Right. Yeah, it was, I say it was three years, but it was, uh, more like two and a half because I was on a team this year actually um but left Europe in May to come back just wasn't going well with the team and I wasn't having a good time so you know and I was like I don't see myself because before that I was like chasing the pro contract in Europe and that was my dream you know and then this year at the start of the year, I kind of just reassessed and I was like, I've come this far in bike racing. Like I've put all these years into it and gotten faster and everything. Like I don't want to just give up on it now just because I don't want to continue being in Europe. Like, how can I make this work? And then I was like, oh, there's this gravel thing in the US and, you know, guys are making money. Um to me, it's like a cool discipline. Like I like the different style of racing too. And I was like, give that a try and see what I can do. So, yeah. Had some really good results too. So that's gotta be motivating. Yeah. Yeah. It felt good. Yeah. What do you, what's, how do you see the two different styles of racing from, and actually I'd be curious, European road versus American road. And then like going from European road to American gravel. Yeah, I'd say so Euro road versus American road. I'd say the Euro road is just way more aggressive or at least the racing I was doing like from the gun, you're attacking basically the entire race, like just covering attacks, covering attacks. There's in the races that I was doing since 
it's pretty like even between all the teams. Like there's not a super strong team that can just ride the front and like pull any break back. So it's, it's pretty even. So everyone wants a guy in the break and it's just attack in the whole race. It's rarely like some team is pulling on the front kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, more, more aggressive than U S racing. And then let me ask you a question about the yeah. aggression, not only like the attacking and, and just that aspect, but also I would assume, and just from watching, hearing other people like the positioning and the aggressiveness of the bunch, because you can't attack if you're five rows back. So everyone's trying to constantly move up. And like, that's true in American racing, but it's, uh, I don't know, any international. Say that again. The roads are bigger here. In the U.S. Paramount, yeah. Yeah. In general. Yeah. But. Okay. And then Amer- and then uh, like going from the Euro Road to American Gravel now, how do you see that? I notice with myself, I'm always like super stressed about positioning, like into a technical section or a climb and something like that. So I'm actually pretty good about that in the gravel. Like I'm always where I need to be generally when I need to be there. But I've come to realize like that's not as important because the, there's just not as many guys in the race. This so, is a way smaller field. It's like yeah. 25 guys maybe going for the win. Maybe 30, like a really big race, but definitely not 150 all equal. <laughs> right. So now I feel like sometimes I was probably wasting a bit of energy doing that, even in these gravel races. But yeah, it's it's a lot different. It's more of a it's way steadier of mm-hmm. an effort. You know, you're not covering attacks guys attack, but it's more of like a minute acceleration on a climb rather than like a 15 second sprint. Away from the Do you feel like that also plays in though? Because since there's not really a team effort out there, there's not people counterattacking their teammate. It's like, you know, everyone's going to follow Keegan. Everyone's going to follow the top five guys. They're probably not all counterattacking each other. Do they have no teammates? So, like, it's just a totally different type. It, it is a little, little bit more like hard man style, whittle people down, whittle the group down. Like, is that accurate? Yeah, definitely. And it, and it can become pretty negative racing as well because when there's guys like Keegan in the field, like, attacking is not a smart move because then you're just like wasting a bunch of energy and you know you're probably going to be brought back so yeah it can become pretty negative and then there's usually like in these races a kind of a deciding moment when the selection will go and that's really what you have to keep an eye on is like when that group of five guys eight guys Mm -hmm goes off the front um so yeah yeah how do you see your what was the bulk of your training like when you were in europe so back that's when you were working with nate yeah yep so you race every weekend there pretty much it's wild so saturday and sunday or just one day it depends it can be there's not as many stage races and they're usually like three days. Um, the ones I was doing, 
it depends usually like two two days a week or two saturday and sunday but yeah you race every weekend which makes training kind of tricky because you know you don't want to be tired for the race on the weekend but you also need that volume to keep your fitness high so it actually well it can become kind of simple though too like you just do like a interval ride say like wednesday and then something like a longer ride thursday or something and then the rest is easy so yeah two training days and then race on the weekend um but recovering one or are you recovering on monday and tuesday then or just monday and doing like an endurance ride on tuesday yeah yeah monday i mean it would depend a lot uh but usually like two hard training days a week and then race on the weekends. And you were, were you just in France racing? So like, was the travel not crazy far away or did you have a lot of travel to deal with? Just in France. Um, so yeah, that's the other crazy part about racing in France is like, you can get to, you can race every weekend and usually the races are within like two, three hour drive. It's so amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. That's why those guys are so good. Oh, it's so crazy. I just, the thought of that is incredible. Um, Yeah. So what were your, what hard interval days? What are you mostly doing? Was there, when you say the training got simple from a scheduling standpoint, were you kind of getting used to what Nate would give you or does, is it changing around a lot or is it like a VO2 max workout or threshold stuff or what kind of you, do you remember doing the most of? Yeah, Nate was would give me a lot of the same intervals a lot of the time, which I kind of appreciated because that way, you know, you're not having to think about your training as much and you can kind of gauge your fitness based on how those intervals went if you did them the last week also. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'd, he'd usually give me a lot of like on off stuff so like 30 30s or i'd do like 20 40s even a lot so 20 hard or 40 hard 20 hard okay i was like otherwise you're just sick yeah yeah well it just then it's just super high power so yeah 20 40s a lot and then how many of those you do i know it's a super granular question but if you had 20 40s are you doing like three sets of something or one long set three three sets of like eight minutes usually okay like you could do that on a four-hour ride and just do three sets of eight minutes so four efforts rest four efforts yeah okay yeah so that's kind of simple but it mainly be on-offs and tempo intervals because the on-offs are just to you know raise that real high vo2 like 600 watt power um and then the tempos would be uh just for like that sustained power because you're not getting that in the racing so Mm. you'd need to get some sort of sustained power um during the week and that's what the tempos were for so yeah you really long ones or a bunch of shorter tempo intervals or how is that laid out Usually like, yeah, 20, around 20 minute efforts, a couple of those in a ride. So cool. 
And then what are you thinking about? How has that does do you follow a similar pattern with Sean as you're doing more gravel this past year? Or does he do things differently? So the way my training has shifted has been just a lot of zone two, really. Mm. And that's something I really have been focusing on like this summer and yeah, this whole gravel season that I've done. And it's just comes down to like, yeah, doing kind of a high power for five hour training ride. And I feel like that's really where the difference is made for these gravel races. Um, so when and, you say high power, like high zone two or higher than that for five hours? No, just, yeah, zone two, but okay. like on the pedals pretty good. Yeah. Um, And really not doing a lot of intervals, actually, like not that many on-offs, not that many tempos even. Um, and just focusing on the zone two is really the focus. So. Which is interesting because you're probably racing a lot less with the gravel races being so far apart. And how many gravel races did you do in 2023? Would you guesstimate? Probably 10, maybe seven or eight. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's super interesting that uh, Larry Warbass was on and he had made a comment that sticks with me. He's like, you know, I think as long as you stick to a program that is done by your coach, there are so many different ways to do this. You know, like the way I'm hearing this is you're racing a ton you're doing tempo and VO2 stuff, and then you're racing less, and you're just doing a lot of zone two. Like in my head, I almost think it'd be flip flop, yeah. but it's it's working. So it's like, yeah. And my theory is like, Nate always would tell me like, I would I would be I see my strengths in the races as like shorter, kind of VO2 efforts, not like a sprinter, but kind of like a punchy rider versus longer climbs and he would always tell me like, yeah, but you are like going to be good at what you're doing. And that's what all the French races were, was those like mm. short efforts kind of thing. So I think I've uh, worked on that a lot the last three years or so. So I don't have to work that as much for the gravel racing. Like I kind of have that in the system just from the past couple years of road racing. So I mean, you definitely still do maintenance on that stuff, but mm -hmm. it's more about raising that like five, six hour power. That's yeah. That's actually a really good point of thinking about the real big picture of like what you've stacked over the past three years. And even though, I mean, and I think the only thing I would in my head that like jumps out is gravel racing, I think has, and correct me if I'm wrong from the races I've done, you know, it's, it is a lot of long power, but that first two hours is, is hard. Is like tons of VO2 max, tons of anaerobic capacity. I mean, I gravel worlds, we did, it was like over an hour at VO2 in the, it was seven and a half hours. And it's like on paper, I would not be able to, if you sent me out there and was like, go do this in training, there's no way I could internally motivate to do that. So like, it's still really hard riding. Um, and maybe it is just what you've banked from years before of that and doing the maintenance rides and, um, you know, the addition of more aerobic work from the zone too. That's interesting. 
What do you think, what are you trying to work on the most then for next year now that you're going to be doing the Lifetime Grand Prix? Um, In terms of fitness or like... Both, because there's... General, yeah. yeah, well, actually, yeah, in terms of fitness, actually, wait, hold on. That's a great, the way you asked that is, what do you see as the components that go into doing well in this type of event besides Watts? Yeah, besides Watts. I think... Well, two things for me, I haven't raced a lot of mountain bikes. Like I did one race and like two mountain bike races, probably in the last four years, I used to race as a junior. So, you know, I'm going to have to dial in my technical skills. Uh, I think I can hang in there because, you know, I ride mountain bikes throughout the year, uh, every now and then, but that's something for me since three of the races are mountain bike races. I'll have to, you know, make sure I can keep up on the downhills with the fast guys and stuff like that. And then I'd say the other thing that I'd like to improve is just being prepared, like with all my mechanical, my bike, my nutrition and yeah, bike and nutrition mainly because this year I've had two races where I just mechanicaled out. Um, so that is pretty unfortunate. So I'd like to, you know, since it is an overall thing and you have to get five good races in, you, you don't really have much room to like mechanical out of a race. What mechanicals did you have? Flat tire and then I did big sugar and I had a really bad chain drop and mm. couldn't get it out of there so are yeah. you gonna change tires or was it just like do you feel like you had the wrong tires or because gravel's yeah, all about tires yeah it's huge i mean yeah so making sure i have the right tires my bike's a bit more dialed in um those are things i want to improve next year like what about the bike have you changed or are going to change to make it more dialed chain drops because i had a couple of those this year and i've just been like working on my own bike and that was like maybe due to me <laughs> i love it <laughs> that's amazing anyway i just don't want to have those issues next year you know and those when you're traveling new events and everything you can't you can't have those issues you know? it took it took me uh let's say 13 years to learn the lesson that if i take my bike to the bike shop and just say make this pretty and they do all their things that they do i'm like oh and we noticed this and this and then they give it back it's way better than when i do it yeah. <laughs> and they find things that i have no idea how to maintain and uh yeah so that has been the biggest treat that i've given myself i think probably past two or three years and they just catch things before it becomes catastrophic and that has been worth every penny that um shout out to roadie's bike in blowing rock and i got a couple dudes down here in florida christian and victor that are just incredible um see so yeah, i think that's a smart move it's gonna be worth and it'll probably save you a ton of time and stress and so what about the nutrition what have you Let's actually do a throwback. What were you doing in Europe for nutrition? Nutrition, the races were 
not that long actually so they'd be max probably four hours okay i'd usually just and i still just run pretty much all gels uh start with pretty much all the gels i need and then these french races would you generally be like finishing circuits so you can get all the water you need mm. that was pretty simple like i didn't feel like i was bonking that much the race was a, a bit shorter but these gravel races are a different story because a lot of them it's like kind of a dehydration game because are we stopping at the rest stop that's what yeah right seems like that's the hottest topic still um so you got the i mean dehydration do you feel like you can carry enough in two mega bottles and the pack and people stop probably once i would guess at the big races or no yeah sometimes like steamboat i did steamboat and like keegan made this post on instagram in the morning before he's like i'm not stopping and uh so everyone started with like the uh hydration pack and two liter bottles and i i didn't stop it was uh it was a long race to do on that much water mm. like everyone was kind of dying at the end there so it's kind of a tough game to play I mean, what if you like sneak attacked a third bottle on there somehow, whether you fit it in your back pocket or, I mean, I, I know rolling up with it, like under the down tube would be not cool, but hydration is pretty important. I mean, I don't know. That's just something I would think you can definitely get a 20 ounce in under the use way pack. Cause I've done that on some, there's some gravel out and well, actually you might've ridden closer to North Carolina for BWR. Uh, no, that's more towards Asheville where you're in the middle of nowhere. I had no, Landry was actually, Hey, kudos for going on that route by yourself. You're crazy. Um, there's like nobody for days. And so I brought a ton of water and I had the two liter, two, one liters, and then a 20 ounce. Um, I don't know. It wasn't too uncomfortable. I didn't really notice it. That might be a tactic if you're like, no, you can't stop, but yeah, you know, then it's just more. Yeah, it's yeah, and then I'm always, like, stressing, like, starting the race. You feel so heavy like that, and you know there's, like, a whatever five-minute climb, like, out of the gate, and you're yeah. like, oh, geez, do I really need this extra bottle? But True, true. Um, so, so yeah, the, how does how does that – are you still rocking gels in the races uh, for the long gravel? You just bring in a ton of gels? Yeah, that's what I stick to, generally. How many gels are you bringing? Uh, let's say it's a seven hour ride race um well i was using this year like the sis beta fuel ones so they're okay. 40 grams of carbs okay so you know you could have two of those an hour and then a mix brings you around 100 grams but you want a bit more than that so it's it's around like 15 to 20 gels for the race and then you have like your drink mix and all that and then maybe a bar or two as well so it's have a lot maple syrup no i've never tried that the flask man you can get 380 grams of syrup which is like 340 grams of carbs in this like little 
you could fit two easily in a pocket, but I just rock one in there. I mean, it is super concentrated. Just the size is that's the only thing with gravel. It's like, you got so much crap in your pockets. Um, it's worth, worth checking out. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. So what's, so what's, uh, so training wise, do you go through, are you lift, do you lift at all? I wasn't last year, but I have in the past, uh, done some gym, nothing crazy, but I think I'm going to try and do that this year. I mean, you're um, staying with Riley, the dude's li- he's lifting, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> um, I, I I think of him because he's like, yo, I'm not the squat rack, bro. And I'm always like, screw the forget squats. We're not, Riley's not doing squats. We're not doing that. I'm pretty yeah. sure that guy has changed a lot of people's uh, lifting. If they listen to the podcast, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He does like the quick gym sessions, just a couple things, but yeah, I'm, I'm think I'm going to start up a program for this winter. Cool. Um, I'm what does Sean, what does Sean think? Does he, did he, li- does he lift or. He doesn't. I think he's does like the, you know, the hex bar. Yeah, dude. Um, He does that, but I think that's like, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but I think that's his only like actual weight that he's lifting. Otherwise he just does like body weight exercises and things like that. I think you can get so much from the hex bar deadlift. And I don't even think I used to go like, like, uh, I used to go really heavy on that for me. I mean, not like a bodybuilder heavy, but for like a cyclist. And I think even backing that down, I'm still seeing tons of benefit. You do that, pedals is just like, ah! Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's worth looking into for sure. Especially, if, I don't know if you just lift at his house or wherever, but yeah, if you can get your hands on a hex bar somewhere, I join a gym just for that. And um, mega benefit. It's amazing. So what do you think? What will you change then as you go into next season? When's the first race for Lifetime? April? May? For Lifetime, it's quite – the spring's a really light schedule. Like, the first one is Sea Otter, and I think that's uh, second half of April. Okay. And after that, it's Unbound, which is oh, June 2nd, I think, or early June. So it's super light in the spring. But – I'm going to do other races, not just the lifetime ones. So I'm going to have other races in the spring, but yeah, what, for lifetime, it's yeah. What are the early spring ones for you that you're going to do? Uh, I'd like to do BWR, um, Arizona. Mm. So that's like early March. That's pretty early. Um, and then after that, it is, um, I've never done these ones before. I think it's called Mid South. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that's the next one, which that seems like a pretty good big race. So, yeah. Bring a, bring a paint stick if it's uh, yeah. muddy because it's just clay out there. It's, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> I love that. I haven't done that race in a while. It was when Ted King, I think, was, I guess, making a comeback. He was in the race. And we're in the break, and there's this dude with like big hair. He had a big beard. He was in like some plat. It wasn't his uh, maple thing, 
there was like a plaid jersey. I think I'm like, who is this like mountain dude? After this, I was like, oh yeah, that was Ted King. I was like, I didn't could not even tell who he was. He was just like very like stoic and silent. It was awesome. I was like, all right, cool. It's a good race though. Yeah, it's, it's a. I mean, I'm sure the course has changed, but hopefully it was 22 degrees when we were there. So hopefully you get a warmer day. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, so what do you think of as you get closer into like February? Well, I mean, yeah, like February, what are you starting to do as the races get closer as opposed to do you think you'll be rocking a lot of zone two from now till then? Or like have does Sean give you an idea of what's kind of going on? Are you are you more just like just tell me what to do and I'm gonna go do it? Yeah. Uh we discuss like every like week or two kind of what's coming up and stuff like that, but it'll probably just be slowly building the volume up towards the races, like, and having that mix of zone two, a bit of the on off work VO2 and then a bit of tempo as well, mm. but just building the volume, probably similar ratios and then obviously getting a bit more into like some vo2 stuff towards the racing season but yeah it's not too complicated i don't think it's it depends also a lot since i'm here in boulder like depends a lot on the weather like mm -hmm. one week you know it's, it's it's still cold but like if the sun's out you can ride and it's fine but then another week we'll get a snowstorm and you can't ride outside for four or five days. So mm. I kind of have to, you know, look at Sean's training and kind of adjust that to what is possible. But yeah, after a couple of years of that, I feel like I have a good idea of what, how I should rearrange stuff. So when you talk about building the volume, how much do you ride now as opposed to how much would you ride in like February? Now, I'd say like say December, I'll probably be doing, you know, 15 to 20 hour weeks. And then February, like I'll try to stack in some like 25 to 30 hour weeks. Um, probably nothing above 30 that much. I know like some of the other gravel guys like Keegan do those crazy weeks. And I actually want to like experiment with trying to do some of that maybe during the season or something, but yeah, for now, like probably 15 to 20 hour weeks and then it'll build into 20 to 25. Mm. So. so what any, what have you noticed like that's changed in maybe your body or riding as an athlete from 2020 to now i think it'd be interesting like you're 20 years old then you're 23 now you're you know from three years in to now you're six years in of like what you said like serious training what have you noticed it's just like different about you as a rider maybe not like physical looks but just i can do this better i can do this or like i look back and i'm like whoa i thought i was good at this and i was actually sucked at that compared to now does anything come to mind I'd say like having those, you know, real high power efforts late in the race, mm. you know, like 
you have your physical like capabilities or whatever and sometimes that won't change too much as you progress and get older but I think what you can develop is how much power you have at the end of the race and that's really what matters and that's you know the important part and I feel like I've gotten better at that um yeah since when I was younger it's a really good point I mean I think it's so easy to get caught up in make my FTP better make my five minute power better make you know people can recite their entire watts per kg chart from zero seconds to four hours, but they have no idea what they can do after 2,500 KJs. It's like, well, I don't, I don't really know. It's like, well, it's from the races. So it's good that you're seeing that. I mean, that's going to definitely be a huge piece of these races. You kind of talked about before there's gonna be that decisive move. Um, do you, and that's actually, do you, how does that at the very pointy end, you know, I'm sure there's particular courses with like climbs, but I would assume a guy like Keegan or whoever, some of the other top guys are, they're not just like waiting for this last climb or for, you know, there's going to be certain situations where just like a crosswind hits or um, what do you think's helped you develop that sense of like being in the right place to try and, you know, you've had some really good results to just that like racing knack. Like, is there something that's come natural to you over the years and like, or is there something that you've like, have you yeah. watched somebody or, you know, what's, what's kind of helped you with that? I'd say in the race, I'm like watching the favorite guys a lot, which I mean, everyone's doing that, but I'm also not afraid to like push someone off and get on their wheel or anything like that. Like I'm not going to sit back in 20th place, uh, when I think like Keegan's about to attack or something, I'm going to ride up and get on his wheel for when that happens. Um, but yeah, it's just, I guess, race savvy. Like you learn that over the years and um, yeah, just like following the fast guys really. Do you think you learn that from, how do I say this? Like you were third at BWR, I want to say in North Carolina and like sixth in U23 road Nats, if I have that correct, like yeah. those results are killer. Do you think you learn some of that skill in those specific races when you did well or at a time beforehand, which helped you do well in those races? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. where, or was, is it just racing? Like, would you recommend to people like, you just learn a ton from racing like go race i mean you got to race I would say that. yeah would, like sorry you would or you wouldn't say that i would say race as much as you can that's okay. the biggest factor if you're a junior or anything i'd say that's the biggest factor in you know get getting improving as a racer um and that was like my decision to go to europe and race i was like you know, if I want to really become a good bike racer, I'm not, it's not going to happen in the U S here. And I really have to put myself outside of my comfort zone and just race a bunch. And yeah. Um, and then in terms of the tactics, like you were saying, like following the right move and everything, it's tough to like 
say specifically like what that's due to but yeah in those french races like you're following attacks every three minutes of like looking which guys on which team like who's on the strong team if they're going you follow them so you're really like thinking about it a lot and just doing it like every three minutes so you have a lot of repetitions uh so yeah i'd say that's where i learned it yeah it's man it's got to be such a i know just such an amazing experience I man i can't even uh i just think of some of these races that we get to see on tv or you know i've ridden over in europe so i can like picture the roads and i can all i've ridden there i'm like i can't believe there's like 150 guys 180 guys on a road during a race here it's just a different vibe i think where was it it was um joe martin out here one of the course it's like super wide there was so much room it was like the exact opposite so i don't even think as americans it's unless you're over there i can't even appreciate like the experience that you got from that but uh, it has to be amazing i'm obs- i'm obsessed with europe so i'm always just like when people are talking about i'm like oh it sounds so cool yeah what which uh so what race are you looking forward to the most this coming year um since I'm from Colorado, I've never done the race, but the Leadville 100 mm-hmm. is one that it's kind of just like a, I don't know, legendary race in my opinion. Like, yeah, it's, to me, it's like one of, or the biggest race in the U.S. Um, yeah, and I've never done it before. I've always wanted to do it. And that's one that I'm really excited about. Um Besides that, I'd say Unbound. Never done that either. But, yeah, those I think those are just the two biggest races, really. What and, would your goal be for each of those races? What would you be stoked on? And what do you really put as, like, this is, Sean, this is what I want to do with this race? Um, Top tens at those. Either one. Um, yeah, that's the goal. And then what do you, do you have like a long-term, like what, uh, three-year plan, five-year plan? Do you take it more season by season? Like, where are you, what's your yeah. goal? Is it just like be able to make a career racing here in the U S or what do you want to, you're a young dude. Where do you kind of see yourself in the next five? I mean, dude, I'm envious in five years. You're still really young. So what do you want to do? Yeah. Right now. You know, I want to make a career out of this lifetime scene, the new gravel scene, stuff like that. Like I see guys, when I was younger, I was like kind of around Russell and Keegan a bit because my dad would work with them and I'd be at the races, like looking up to those guys kind of, so they're kind of always my heroes a bit. But yeah, that's really where I see myself or what I want to do is like kind of make a career out of this racing my bike here in the U S. Um, and that's not to say like, Oh, never going back to Europe or anything like that. But, you know, after this year, I got a bit burnt out on it. Um, and just think that for me, it's the way to go racing here. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. What do you think? How does that, 
how do you look at that as, I mean, you got to get sponsorship, right? Like, do you look at it as besides racing, like all the pillars that go along with that? Um, you know, there's social media that it's like the biggest riders have a YouTube channel and they have this and they have people out filming them for this. Like, have you thought about that aspect of it or right now you're trying to really just focus on the racing, the results and how do you, how do you look at that sort of big picture when you're talking about like you're starting to build your brand and career? Yeah, that's something I definitely need to work on a bit more is kind of build my personality uh, per se, but I'm not huge on doing that stuff. I mean, I'm not against it at all either, but that's just something like I have to work on is just posting more. Um, what do you naturally gravitate to read, uh, like writing, film, audio? If you were to create something, what's your kind of like? I'd like to make like some videos, like some. I've always thought it like the Safa Brian videos are awesome. Sick, like, yeah. Like that's recently has been kind of like my thing. Like, oh man, creating like some stuff like that would be super cool. And I think, you know, a lot of other people like that stuff too. So yes, maybe some like vlog style stuff. Uh, but yeah, videos is what interests me. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised more people don't vlog from that are doing like lifetime every lifetime race riding should have a podcast should be vlogging like we're curious like what are you guys up to what's going on it doesn't have to be long as like, you can pack so much into an eight minute video that takes you you know 30 minutes of shot time or whatever you want to call it and yeah i just think a lot of like raw footage is super interesting and i you know i think someone that is in the lifetime grand prix sometimes forgets how far along you guys and girls have all come as athletes that you know us amateurs don't get to see and learn and be in the situations that all of you have been in so that's why it's even more interesting for us like you're surrounded by 30 other guys 20 other guys and maybe 30 other women that you're living this you're breathing it so it becomes like second nature. Whereas we're just like, Yo, what are you guys doing before that race? Like what's going on over there? And so, yeah, if you start doing it, just post stuff. Cole Patton was on and he obviously crushed in the series last year. And he made the comments like, you know, I'm really going in on making high quality Instagram stuff. And you know, like his reels are not just like, Hey, this is me riding my bike. It's like professionally done. I'm like, Oh, it's a cool spin. Like it's very unique. If I see a reel, it like his stuff catches my eye um yeah. yeah find what like resonates with you and just start you know gary vanderchuk i don't know gary v is like a bit it's uh, he's uh crazy businessman has created and sold mega mega brands but he's huge on he started with uh, helping his dad's wine company grow from three to $60 million through social media. Like back when Google ads were really big and stuff like that. And they still are, but when it was very cheap, but he has some interesting books about like, how to grow a brand. Um, eat, crushing it is a really good book. It's old now, but it still applies. And it's just like one of the biggest things he talks about is he's good on video. He sucks at writing. And so he's like, I will never be a blogger, but I'll make videos and I'll make podcasts and da da da. And so I think it's, it's just, it was a good reminder to like 
for me of trying to grow a coaching business, like we got to find our lane and be excited about, but also like authentic with what we put out. Like I love, I love talking to an athlete like this and just, I'm just curious about what you're doing. And so it's fun to do this. It's not like, Oh, I got to go talk to Finn today. You know what I mean? So finding this you like start posting stuff. And I think you'll be really surprised at how many people are excited about what you're doing. So, and you got a cool story. Like you've been in Europe, you're here. Um, yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, to follow. I'm excited to get into that. Yeah. Um, I've heard some like talk about like, you know, those videos that Lifetime put out for Leadville and Big Sugar. I don't. What? No. What are they? They're are like they recaps. Yeah. They're recaps, but they're like 45 minutes long and it's all the helicopter shots. And it's kind of like how the race played out, but it's like really well done. And it's yeah. 40 minutes long. So it's pretty in detail. Um, with like some common commentary and stuff like that but I thought like those were really cool and gave like a better story of how the race went down oh dude I'm so, seeing all these right now on their on their website yeah I'm gonna have to yeah. I have not I Check think now that you say this I saw part of one and didn't follow through I don't watch a ton of if I get on YouTube it's like a black hole so I try not to but yeah this is okay so what interests you about those? Well, they did them for those two races last year, but I heard some like people talking about maybe they'll do them for all the races, which I think would be awesome. But they did them for all of them last year. All of them? Yeah, there's six episodes: Sea Otter, Unbound, Crusher, Leadville, Ooh, Chequaquegmagangagangagan, and yeah. Big Sugar. Okay, Chequaquegmagang. Is that right? Yeah, Schwamigan. <laughs> you're like right no schwam again yeah but i think the ones i'm talking about might be different they're like a recap okay um, i could be wrong but anyways i thought those were awesome because they kind of like tell the story of the race um i'm pretty yeah. sure it was just for the two races but maybe i don't know <laughs> uh but yeah, they just tell the story and that's something like with the lifetime. They give like the Instagram like story updates for the mm -hmm. race. Mm -hmm. But it'd be cool if there was like some way to live broadcast it, which could get tricky for like Schwamgen and stuff like that. But that'd be really cool. Uh, It wasn't Danny Summerhill. It was... Who's the roadie that has crushed crits and also really good at the road? Is it Danny Summerhill? Uh, he won amateur nationals a couple of years back in 2013 and 14, I want to say. He just live streamed, I want to say, Tulsa. Oh, yeah, and announced it? Uh, maybe. I like heard about this secondhand. So I'm like, yeah, did you see so-and-so? Oh, God, no, I'm... was it him? No, yeah, uh, Daniel Holl Holl Holloway. Yeah, yeah, I think it was him, and yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, I think he was like announcing and racing. Somebody yeah. said I never saw oh, it, wow. but yeah. this could be you. This could be your lane. That could be tough. live on TikTok, Finn. Yeah. <laughs> what platforms are you on right now? How do people follow you? Instagram, Finn underscore Gullickson. Um, yeah. What's the YouTube channel going to be called? I gotta make one. Man. 
Uh, we probably won't post this until January. So when you, if you make it beforehand, that's your homework from the podcast. Get your YouTube started, and we'll get you some subs. Yeah, yeah, I gotta get a new GoPro too. I have one of the old, like session ones. But what's uh, you gotta get whatever Safa Brian's using. Like, does he have the? What's that? Like the three sixty. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Some new on gravel, man. That'd be sick. Yeah. We'll see. What's so you've got this go, you you know, you're a resilient dude. You, you know, went through the European campaign, come back. What's your kind of your inspiration besides just like, hey, I want to make this my career? I think there's a lot of people that want to make it in bike racing, but is there something else that's driving you? Like you just love being an athlete, or it might just be like, hey, I don't want to go get a nine to five job, or what's like really what's driving you to keep going? Yeah, I mean, I love bike riding, um, getting outside every day. That's a big piece. Um, and I just have a bit like I want to prove to everyone that I can do it kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I feel like I've been hidden in Europe for the last couple of years and people maybe like forget about me um, kind of thing. And I just want to like show this u.s cycling that i'm here kind of thing and yeah i love that who's who's everyone when you think of it it, uh, it, yeah who's everybody in your mind i don't know not necessarily it's not you know there's not like haters or anything like that but it's just uh maybe it's proved to myself too i mean you know that i am good at this and that you know I should be racing my bike and yeah, that kind of thing. I love that. No, I think it's good. I'm, I'm just always curious because I think in this day and age, the ability to make a good career off something like riding a bicycle, it, there's no better time in history to do that. And there's so like what you're talking about, you know, make the entertainment through the social channels, you know, you can educate, inspire, motivate people. You can make money from the actual races. Obviously you can work with brands. You can work with brands in Europe. You can work with brands in Asia. Like there's, you can connect with anybody. You can slide in. Like, it's just amazing what you can do. And so I think when you say like, I just want to prove to everybody, like I'm here and there's so many ways to, to be in it and to do it and to accomplish it and crush the races and do so much more. So I'm pumped for guys like you that are 23 and have that like motivation and trying to figure out your vision. And as you said, like your personality and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll be excited to watch and see what you do. So yeah. Appreciate it. Are you going to be out at any gravel races? Uh, Probably none of those Uh, people always are like, you need to do, um, you need, I was going to say lifetime. They're like, you need to do Leadville. It's like the roadies, the roadies mountain bike race. And I'm like, there's no way. Preparation though. It did. Okay. Yeah. So I don't do well at altitude. I did, um, well to Ecuador where you go up to 11,000 feet. Now we did have some gnarly rain. They got very, I was not expect. We started, it was like 75 degrees Fahrenheit. And oh, man, we ended up 
my friend Matt, who's a hard ass dude, got on a bus. And I, 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 Matt, shout out to you. I rode like three more miles just because like if Matt's getting in the bus, I'm just going to stay out here a little bit longer and make me feel good about myself. Like I couldn't hold the bars and it wasn't even like 32, but it was just really cold. But anyways, we went up to 11,000 feet. Raleigh Weaver, who was on the podcast was there. He was handing out Cokes and he was like, I saw you guys come over the top and I've seen you guys race enough. Like you guys looked so bad. And then he's like, I just, he's like, it was terrible to watch. And then it was, yeah, you know, 20 miles on the road, we got on the bus and luckily didn't get hypothermia. But I say all that in altitude, not, I don't do well. I, I could do like, we had masters Nats in Albuquerque where you go up to 7,000 feet and I live at 4,000, not a problem. 11's just, yeah, no. Um, I would maybe be at gravel worlds. The thing is now I'm in North Carolina. I used to live in Memphis. And so when I started going out there, I was much closer. Now it's more like a two day drive and um, probably not. So, and then the other thing is now like North Carolina BWR, what you said about the downhills in mountain biking, I will get dropped on downhills by like, that's home race for Dylan Johnson and, you know, other Kerry Werner's there will be minutes behind so John Borselman, you might know from the gravel scene yeah. was like, you need to get a mountain bike and just go rail on a mountain bike. And I don't have, I don't know if I'm committed to that. And now we all joke. Cause I <laughs> kind of got back into crits. I need to do the same thing, man. Get, get the mountain bike skills dialed in. <laughs> it's crazy. I did a, there's a race called funk bottoms in Ohio that I did with a friend Bodo. And it is, 18,000 feet of climbing, a hundred and was 130 miles. It was like eight hours. It was a little under eight hours. Eight. I can't do the math in my head right now, but anyways, the, the downhills weren't long. There were some definitely like steep ones. And uh, a couple people early on were just gapping us. And then they would kind of like wait up. Cause I mean, the day was just so long. I'm like, you guys must mountain bike, huh? They're like, yeah, you, you must be a roadie. I was like, yes. And it's yeah. just like, just so far out of my comfort zone. It's one of those things where I'm not, even if I ride a mountain bike, I'm not going to bridge that gap. That's years of them being off-road. I mean, maybe I should, but I don't know. I'm just, I love riding on the road. And that's my problem with gravel. Like, I just yeah. love riding on the road that I, even though I live now near great gravel, I would much rather ride on the road. So, you know, you'd, it's like the athlete that wants to do well in one race and they like always are going and doing the other stuff. Like Nate told you, you're going to be good at what you do. Yeah. So I just need to accept that. Um, and we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm trying to, I think my biggest thing right now for racing is I've lived in a bunch of different places and kind of moved around the past few years that I like still i lived in tennessee for a few years and i'm like oh i gotta go do this race and i'm like i don't live in tennessee anymore like i need to focus on the races that are local to me and i'm down in florida and it's like i'm always thinking about going other places i need to do what's here also so so will we cross paths i don't know i hope i hope i would love to cross paths in europe i want to like yeah go do some something over there Um, i don't i haven't seen but is like gravel worlds next year it's probably in europe again but 
See, that's now it gets confusing. The real gravel worlds. Yeah, I think I don't know where that is gonna be. When I say gravel worlds, I mean the one in Iowa. Okay. Yeah. Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good race. Yeah. Go crush that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I came. Yeah, I need some redemption. Uh John and Eric Marcotte. There's like a little town you go through at like mile 120. They attacked through the town and like smart move. I was with two guys from CCB. Um, one you might know, he's a little bit older. Ah, everyone who's listening to the podcast is like screaming his name. He's a big time trialist. Him and this other young kid and Tristan Yule from, he's a mountain biker. Uh, giant factory team. Anyways, I was sure that CCB would cover the move. They had two guys. I hesitated. They rode away. And then Tristan. That was the one that was really muddy in the beginning, right? Not. This was like four years ago. But that was super muddy this year. Yeah. I was actually glad that I was not there. I don't like mud. I don't. I don't. I don't like off-road. I don't like getting dirty. I don't like all the crap on the bike. Like when I saw Unbound the other year, I was like, whoo, dodge that bullet. Because people were trying to get me to do that. I like doing long rides, but I just. I don't yeah i'm just getting old and cranky so you know anyways yeah. do we uh what's what are some parting words for the newer cyclist who no no no, no not the newer the younger cyclist i mean to say that's trying to make it because you and that's a very like who knows what does make it mean um you've had some interesting experience going abroad coming back doing road, doing gravel at 23. What do you say maybe to the 17 year old you, when you started taking it seriously, what's a good tip to yourself that would just help you embrace that learning experience? I'd say three things, uh, connections like Cormac said, making good connections, talking with people, making friends, racing as much as possible so whether it's a local race and you feel like you're too fast for the local race they'll go out and do it get that experience in and then the third thing would just be consistency so like whether that's in training or like your routine like off the bike or you know having consistency throughout the year uh is massive so yeah those those would be my three points of advice do you you have an off the bike routine that you follow not not i thought i thought thought for sure you're gonna have one because you're like off the bike routine bro stay stay consistent with it (laughs) i'd say uh like morning routine is good like you know having a good breakfast trying to ride at a similar time Mm. every day kind of thing but more like consistency and training like not Mm. like say you string together you know three good weeks and then you're like oh i'm flying right now and then like really having like a four two weeks like that can just you know chop everything you've been working on and then so if you're really consistent with it you can just build and build and build and build and build so 
Dude, I think it's so underrated of even, obviously we're doing, we know we're coming into like a base season for most North American cyclists and we're looking forward to 2024. But I always keep telling myself, people are like, you know, why you always train? I'm like, dude, I'm training for when I'm 45 plus. I'm training for when I'm 50 plus. I'm 42. No, I'm 41. I'm going to be 42. So for context, for someone who maybe hasn't heard the podcast before, I started riding at 26. I just set an eight-minute PR this past summer. I was going for a KOM, so I had external motivation. It was like one of those days I started. I was like, oh, dude, I'm frigging, I'm taking this dude down. It's this really fast guy. And like, but everyone's like, oh, you're best year. You're not going to, at 35, you're, it's all downhill from there. And I think that's total crazy nonsense because training techniques get better. I didn't start riding until I was 26. Like my training age now is what, like 14, 15 years old. And like, I say all that as motivation for people to keep stacking workouts. There are so many people that are three years in like, I'm at where I'm at. I'm like, you've just started, dude. Like you literally did 5,000 miles for the first time ever. You're just beginning. And I I know a lot of people don't like that because we want everything right now. But that to me was motivating. Like when I was 27 and a guy was like, your best year is me when you're 35, no doubt. And I was like, eight years away. He's like, dude, you are dog doo-doo now. Like you're going to look back and be blown away if you stay with it. And I love that. Like I feel like sometimes, and I'm definitely like meant, like, I don't know what it is, like personally sensitive to like saying so because I feel like I'm getting like the old man thing. But I had these older mentors in my club they were just like, dude, just keep grinding. Just keep going. Shut up. Just keep going. Just keep going. Keep stacking this year. Go next year. Go back. And it, it that's what it is. That's what endurance sports is. Um, and it's such a cool journey as long as we can find the fun and the goal and like keep chasing those things and understand why we're doing it. I think it's like just I'm so fortunate to have found endurance sports because in the u.s it's not a big thing i mean yeah there's track and field and whatever but i don't know i grew up playing basketball volleyball soccer baseball like yeah you You get a I, i think you get a big sense of like accomplishment from it like for me the base season is always like you know it's one of my favorite times of the year just because you can feel yourself getting faster week to week and it just mm. feels so good like feels something about it putting that work in and getting that direct uh benefit from something yeah what do you think you feel what makes you feel faster if you're doing like a lot of zone two or is it like maybe you feel less tired from a similar ride or you know do you still do some hard efforts throughout excuse me throughout the quote-unquote off season um, or how do you get that litmus? So you're like, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fast, faster from yeah. three weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's just, I'd say feeling good at the end of the ride mm. is a big part of that. Um, endurance, you just like, you know, you, you just have that power five hours in and yeah. you can do that. That's when I know I'm like going well, uh, but yeah group rides are another great way to like gauge your fitness like i've done some training in tucson and doing like the shootout that's like a race basically like um that ride and you can kind of like see how you stack up against the other really fast guys so Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I think group rides are a great addition also to the off-season training because it's like racing and you can then when you get in your first race, you're not it's like you feel like you've done that kind of effort a, a bit before. So yeah. I think you made a really good point um about the local race thing, about going to different levels of races. And I think it was Stephen Bass that was talking about this. And there was a guy, like a business mentor that had made a comment of like, Hey, always try and be reaching up and talk to the CEOs, people in the C-suite, like people way above you talk to your peers a third of the time. And then don't forget to reach down to the people just that just came out of college and don't know what's going on and help them. And I think that in a similar way of racing, like, go to a race where you think you're going to get the W and go get the W and then go to the race where it's you and all your peers and then go get shellacked. And those, I, I think the shellacking sometimes when there's no expectation are almost a little bit more fun because you, you just, you're not expected to do anything. And I don't know, I think those ones, I just can be a little bit more YOLO. And it was like, sometimes something crazy happens. And you're like, Holy, I can't believe that just happened in this race. So allow yourself to surprise yourself and good things happen. You got any parting words, man? This was awesome. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Oh yeah. I enjoyed it too. Uh, yeah, not too much. Uh, stay tuned at the. Yes. We, we got Finn on the countdown. He's got two months to make a YouTube channel. We'll post his Instagram in the show notes below. Definitely be on the lookout, man. We'll be rooting for you. Hopefully we cross paths, maybe in Colorado. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'll keep my eye out. I'm floating around. Once if once the race season comes, I'm right now. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna stay local. I'm gonna do this. I'm like, um, uh, will you do pronats? Uh, road nets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to. Um, I might see you there because they canceled amateur nets. And yeah. I've never done pronats because I feel like as an amateur, why am I there? And I understand that, you know, there's not enough riders. So they have, you know, cow ones competition to be in there, but now they've taken away our race. I'm like, I want, you got to have a national championship. And I'm, I'm, I will of course go do masters now, but that's a different vibe. So I don't know. I might see you there, but I'm going to wait and see what the course is like. And yeah. if it's something that I'm just going to get shelled at from being a bigger dude, I, I don't know. Maybe I'd still go. It's still be fun go do some live podcasts maybe i've heard it's a cool course oh wait is the uh, course out wait what course is it you got some inside Sean told me it's a cool course oh, <laughs> dude all... okay i'm gonna try and do some digging here do you know yeah, I'm, I'm gonna hit you up um <laughs> i'm dying to see what this course is and i'd actually love to like i mean the race is early in may or may 19th i want to yeah. say i'd love to go if I'm in North Carolina, drive up to West Virginia, it's probably pitchy is what I'm guessing. Like probably. it's pretty steep in West Virginia, yeah. but yo yeah, man, man, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you taking the time and yeah, hopefully we cross paths in real life and good luck with the training in the base season.